Welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership, the podcast that offers insightful discussions on thought-provoking marketing topics. Here's the host of our show, marketing consultant, speaker, author, and educator, and the president of Leverage 2 Market Associates, Linda Popke. Hi, this is Linda Popke, and welcome to our latest episode of Marketing Thought Leadership. We're here today with Justin Foster. Justin has worked for over 20 years in sales and marketing for small businesses and large corporations. He's co-founded two marketing and branding firms in a successful startup as well. He's worked with the leadership teams of hundreds of organizations to help them make their culture their number one differentiator in the modern economy. And he's published two books on branding, Oatmeal versus Bacon, How to Differentiate in a Generic World, and Human Bacon, A Man's Guide to Creating an Awesome Personal Brand. Welcome, Justin. Hi, thank you very much. Well, first of all, you, you obviously like food because your books have titles that are <laughs> related to food. But tell me, let's talk about oatmeal versus bacon, how to differentiate in a generic world. Tell us what you mean by that. Well, I've been in the sales and marketing world now for, like, like you said in the intro, about 20 years. And I noticed as we as more and more emphasis was put on brand, you, you can go back a few years and the word brand was sort of unknown, the idea of a brand. And, uh, but as, as uh, the trends changed in the world of advertising and we shifted away from traditional media to uh, the great influx of digital media and then social media and word of mouth became popular again, I, I just noticed that it was very expensive for brands to be boring and to be like oatmeal. They would make all of these intellectual claims about their value proposition, but it, but they still had to sprinkle something on their brand to make it interesting, just like we do when we eat oatmeal. Bacon, on the other hand, is perpetually interesting. And I give some credit to the metaphor to the comedian Jim Gaffigan, who has a bit on bacon that inspired me to apply the concept of bacon to, to branding, and so I, I always have to give him a hat tip for inspiring me to think in that way. Okay. And the, the, the book is ultimately about differentiation, is that we all have to differentiate. Every one of us is a brand. Every human is a brand. Every business, obviously, or entity is a brand. And you must find ways to authentically differentiate yourself in the marketplace beyond just the latest, uh, you know, glitzy ad campaign. So some of us are, are oatmeal naturally and some of us are bacon. So how are you, how are you differentiating the oatmeal if you, you don't happen to be the bacon? I think everyone's bacon if they organize around their values. I think that uh, I have a strong conviction that we, each of us are made in a unique way with a unique offering to the world. A lot of us just don't really ever discover it. Um, but if you dig in, if you're a solo brand as an individual, whether it's for your career or you're an entrepreneur, but certainly as a corporation, if you, if you have a brand filled with people, you're interesting. Um, but that's a, why a lot of the work I do is so intrinsically driven around value uh, values, uh, a culture, um, the c callings, uh, almost like a conviction to be a certain way. So oatmeal, I would put it this way, oatmeal is a condition, um, uh, a decision, it's a condition, it's not what someone is by nature. We're all interesting if we dig a little deeper. Interesting, okay. Uh, and is that what makes you different as a branding and social business expert? Well, I think so. I mean, I got asked this the other day. Somebody said, are you a branding expert? And I said, well, I don't know about that, but I do know a lot more than other branding experts, so the ones that are wrong. So maybe that's my uh, 
uh, my terrible attempt at humility and humor. But um, I think what I think what makes me different as I work with companies is the emphasis on authenticity and the emphasis on building a brand from what we call root to fruit. Um, a lot of times branding is seen as an outside-in endeavor re- related to perception and image, and those certainly are important, but they're the result of the work that's done internally. Maybe that's because I grew up in agriculture as a young person, mm-hmm. and I have a, a deep appreciation for where food comes from um, as, a, as, a, as a long, you know, m- multi-generation ranching family. But, um, but it's not uh, – it, it takes nurturing and it takes um, – is cultivating and special care in order to create a brand that is truly different. It's easy to hire an agency to come up with a campaign and be different once. It requires great leadership to be different all of the time and different at scale. Those things are difficult, and that's what I try to differentiate myself around is focusing on what makes you truly different, not what, not just on perception. That's so important. In my, in my new book, Marketing Above the Noise, I talk about how you've got to get back to the basics strategy, yeah. product, customers, brand, et cetera, to really understand where you go from there. And I think that's similar to what you're saying, which is you just can't come in with a, uh, a fun and interesting and, and, you know, kind of exciting ad campaign and expect that to, um, to carry you if you haven't done the, the heavy lifting, the fundamental work to get started and be on the right path from day one. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, you gotta start, if you want the fruit, you've got to start with the seed. You got to start with a seed, and you got to cultivate it, and it doesn't happen overnight. Yep. There's a, a there's That's a gestation correct. period, exactly. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So one thing that fascinates me, I know you just gave a webinar recently called "Disrupt or Decay: Five Natural mm-hmm. Forces Shaping Your Brand." What are these forces, and how, what do they mean for a business? Well, I think, and you may experience this as well as you as you do your podcasts and your work with your clients. A lot of uh, senior executives, what you would be you know, classically would be considered, you know, upper, upper management or senior C-suite people, they, they, they sense this massive shift in the way that business works today. And I started analyzing this over the last few years of what are, the, what are these trends? And, they're, and, and we, we've gone from senior executives sort of denying their existence to now almost overreacting to them, um, and, which is good for, for us consultants because when executives overreact, overreact to things, they spend money on them. But uh, the, the, the natural forces, I'll just go through them quickly, and if you want to add any flavor or questions, certainly that would be, that would be awesome. Um, number one are, is the uh, rise of social mobile, the natural influence that's shaping every brand. You have to assume that everyone that touches your brand has a smartphone and an opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's almost like every brand is a reality show, just the cameras are being held by the customers and the employees, literally being held by the customers and employees. It's a great opportunity for brands that are authentic and have a great culture. It's a terrible situation for brands that have, um, uh, you know, jer- leaders that are jerks and crappy products. Um, it's about the worst thing that could happen to a brand with bad leadership and bad products. Um, trend number two are millennials. Millennials now are really becoming more of a mindset than a generation around uh, being very individualistic but highly social, very strategic. And I know many 70-year-old millennials and and I know uh, many 40-year-old uh, elderly people. <laughs> Interesting. So uh, it's not – the millennials, even though they're in this particular age group, I believe being the millennial mindset, they're, they're just like the World War II generation did. They're influencing every generation around them. Um, 
Number three is the humanization of brands, the great sensitivity to providing unique or individual experience. Um, we're getting away from or inefficiency. We're, we're getting away from this where efficiency was the purpose of business, but now experience is, and the way that a person feels, the emotional connection to a brand comes through the process of humanization. Everything from service design to onboarding new employees, there's a sensitivity to that. That's a natural force that's shaping how brands attract talent internally and attract customers externally. Um, number four is the rise of innovators. Innovators used to be a tiny percentage of the population, typically coming from R&D uh, situations. Now innovators are coming from the hip-hop culture, from agriculture. They're coming from um, the music industry, the art industry. They're coming from everywhere, and there's this heightened awareness or this greater this shaping going on of that, that you need to be able to attract innovators as opposed to work towards the middle of the market. You work towards the edge of the market to attract the innovator because they have so much influence in society now. They are really the new media influence, our innovators, through their, their social footprint, whether they be celebrities or not. And then finally, it's the art is everywhere natural force. Um, we, we, as consumers, as humans, are hammered with seven to 10,000 messages a day. And so we don't have the brain power anymore to intellectualize decisions. So art or design um, is a way to tell a story that, is a t that, it, that attaches to the limbic or non-language part of a person's brain. So you're seeing a lot more emphasis now on beauty and function, like Tesla Motors, for example, or Dyson vacuum cleaners. We're not selling just on the features, the speeds and feeds. We're selling on the way that it makes us feel by, by how it looks. And that's almost a sense of emotional relief to the consumer because it just makes it easier to make a decision because we like it because it's pretty and it makes us feel smart. Um, now, you have to be functional too, but if you can be beautiful and functional like Apple or Tesla or Whole Foods or Lululemon, then you really have a brand these days. If you're missing that, you're missing a tre tremendous opportunity to cut through the noise. Well, to quote you. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I agree 100% with what you're saying because you cannot what – what I'm hearing you say is, you, number one, you can't be a me too. You've got to do That's something correct. different. And you talk about disruption, and so you've got to look at your market and say, how's it going to be different? And number two, you've got to be authentic, which you've mentioned earlier. And then beyond that, um, looking at these trends and how things are changing, I love the way of looking at millennials as a mindset because I, I agree with you that this focus on, you know, what year were you born and are you a, a this generation or that yeah. is really not relevant because what's happening is the way we work has changed, the way we interact with people has changed, and I love the idea that we have old 40-year-olds and millennial 70-year-olds because I think I've met some of them in both cases. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. so absolutely. There's a, there's a Ben Franklin quote. Oh, I'm sorry. There's a Ben Franklin quote. He used to say, I have many friends who died in their 40s and they had their funerals in their 70s. There you and, go. <laughs> uh, as a Gen Xer, as a 44-year-old person, that hits home. I know a lot of people like that. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, which, so, and, uh, yeah. And, and yet there's, there's so many people that want to be part of all this new, exciting, vibrant stuff going on. And as brands, um, we need to really work to, to figure out what that is and, and, and how to humanize and, and provide that experience. Because you're right, it's not about function. Nobody needs a yeah. Tesla. Nobody needs right. a you know, a $5,000 watch. Nobody needs an Apple watch, but we want it. We want those yeah. things because it's part of the experience and part of who we are. And they help and us stand out. part of how we out. see ourselves. 
Yeah, yeah they, they really make too. our own mm-hmm. personal brand stand out. So let me ask yeah. you a different question here. You talk a lot about leadership uh, in a lot of your work. How do you make the connection between leadership and branding? So I think there's a seam between three things in business now that I don't know that this seam ever was there. I think these natural forces that we were talking about created this seam, and the seam is between three seams. It's a seam between leadership and innovation, and then a seam between innovation and customer experience or human experience, and then the human mm-hmm. experience to leadership. So leadership is at the root of it all. So if you look at it this way, every bad brand decision whether that be a product decision related to innovation or an experience decision related to message, customer experience, employee experience, whatever, that started with a human being doing, agreeing to, doing, to do something stupid and, um, or poorly thought out or something. It's rarely the execution of marketing that gets a company in trouble. It's the strategy, which is where leadership comes in, that gets a brand in trouble. And so when I talk about going from root to fruit and going to the seed, the seed of innovation, the seed of experience, the seed of a brand is found in senior leadership and the way that they think. That's why I wrote a blog about this last week. There's a direct link between emotional intelligence and branding. If you've got low emotional intelligence, you very likely are going to have a number of branding problems because you have a distinct lack of self-awareness. And, so that's why when I work with an organization, I don't really, I mean, I talk, I talk to the marketing people, but the marketing people, their job is to execute, the, maybe execute the plan. It's the leadership team that decided what they think makes them different. They're the ones that set the tone for the culture. Um, and so we start there. And that's so important. And, and my thought is that marketers need to become poor, uh, more involved in that leadership discussion. We can't be just the executors. That's absolutely right. Yeah, we need to have exactly a right. Unfortunately, table. they're relegated to that, though. Right. Yeah, there's, there's just too many of us are, um, are, are just relegated to, to execution and to going out and making things happen and deliverables, and we need to get back to that strategy, which is absolutely critical. Absolutely critical. Yes, and the same thing applies to HR. HR is often viewed to the lens of compliance. HR is part of the branding team. And it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a shift that must happen in order for an or, any organization to be relevant is that you can't create these weird, um, unnecessary gaps between leadership, marketing, and HR when really all they're working on is the same thing, which is how do we attract people to our brand, whether it's employees or customers. Absolutely. Absolutely. We need to be part of that, starting with employees, going out. Employees amplify your brand. They, um, they make it. Uh, either better or worse, depending on how they feel about it. So they've got to be part of that as well. Absolutely. So with so much going on and so many moving parts, if someone wanted to to start getting on the on the route to being the bacon versus the oatmeal and to being more authentic, what's your quick suggestion for it? where would they start? Well, I think it depends on if they are doing it for their personal brand or for their corporate brand. It's a similar answer, though. I would say that it starts with your values. What do you believe? And if, um, if you, you know, at its root, leaders lead themselves. And so if you don't know what you believe in, if you don't know what your talent is or your gift or what makes you different um, in the marketplace, then how, the marketplace isn't going to do it for you. Um, so, in, and I think what makes us unique, almost like a, a, a spiritual fingerprint, um, is our value set, our worldview, our belief systems. And it drives – if you, the, 
our beliefs drive our habits, which then drive our perceptions. So if branding is about perceptions, ultimately, then you need to look at your habits and then you need to look at the belief systems that are attached to those habits. And in a company, that can be quite difficult because too many companies are in business to finance their org charts. They're not really in business to change value, to make value in the world or what John Mackey, the CEO, um, talks about in conscious, CEO of Whole Foods talks about in conscious capitalism that the purpose of business is to add value, not make money. Right. The same thing applies to a personal brand, whether they're, you're self-employed, you're an executive, you're trying to build a career track. It's a simple question, what do I believe and what makes me valuable, and then organize around those two things. And one of the cool things about it is if you have talent, you have options. Um, you can build a brand around your talent, but if you don't know why you're awesome, what are you branding? You're just trying to make a prettier resume. Um, and that's, that takes a lot of introspection. Again, the, the connection between emotional intelligence and branding is you have to have a heightened sense of self-awareness of both what makes you awesome and maybe what are some of your limits so that you can organize around the, the true, pure, pureness of who you really are and then go from there. And what then do I believe the and where do that, I add value? Absolutely, very much right. important. Yep. Great. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you, Justin. Other, oh, oh, one more thing? <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, and then whenever you figure that out, then be, a, then be a thought leadership content machine like you do. Like you have your practice, you, have, you do what right. you do, but you do these the, – you, you, you – give back to society a bit of intellectual property by doing podcasts, which I think is so remarkable and so admirable of you because a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people just sort of hold on with a spirit of scarcity to what they think makes them awesome. And no one ever knows because they don't share it with anybody other than in some sort of, you know, organizational structure and you're putting it out there. So I wanted to give kudos to you for that. Well, thank you, and, and I do believe what you're saying, which is, yes, we need to, we need to provide value and we need to show what we can do uh, and, and absolutely say this is what I believe and this is how I can show it, I can add value there. So it's just something I think is great. Plus, I get to talk to a lot of really fascinating people and have these great discussions, so it adds value for me as well. So thank you, Justin. It's been a pleasure having you here. If people wanted to find out more about what you do, where would they, where would they find that or where would they find the book? Yeah, the book is uh, both books are available on Amazon, and um, the easiest way to find me is just on Twitter at Foster Thinking, and you okay. can learn more about the, some of the organizations that I'm involved in and, and my uh, strong and occasionally articulate opinions. <laughs> okay, that's great. We've been talking with Justin Foster. This is Linda Popke. Until next time, thank you for listening to Marketing Thought Leadership. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Marketing Thought Leadership, brought to you by Leverage Two Market Associates. If you'd like to find out how powerful marketing results can transform your organization, contact us at www.leverage2market.com.